Welcome to Sightseeing Japan, the podcast where we explore the land of super dry. I'm Paul Bresson. And I'm Jason Neeling. Super dry, like the clothing company? I thought they were British or something. No, 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 no. Super dry, like the beer style. Oh, well, that's an entirely different thing. Yeah. Now I need to look up super dry just to make sure. Was it British? You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm pretty sure I've seen clothes that like say super dry on them. Yeah. And they always have Japanese on them too. So it make, it looks like a Japanese company. Yeah. I was always like, uh, when did Kieran get into fashion? You mean Asahi? Uh, yeah. Kieran yeah, doesn't sorry. have a super dry, right. right? Asahi. Yeah, I was right. Super dry is a British company. They're just trying to bank on the popularity of Asian cultures these days, you know? Like us. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. We don't make any money doing this. True. But super dry stuff is kind of expensive. Yeah, it looks like it would be. I don't know. Yeah. I don't recall ever seeing it in a store. I have. He is a fan of it. She has at least a couple of their products. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, shall I steer us towards today's topic? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go directly there. I'm going to take a, the scenic route. Okay. Gently guide us there. So, Paul, have you ever had a beverage known as beer? Yes. Okay. But have you had biru? Yes. Oh, okay. I think. How uh, was it? <laughs> good. <laughs> How about you? I am a fan of beer and biru. Okay. Yeah. So beer is called, in Japan, biru, B-I-I-R-U. But people call it biru because it sounds funnier to pronounce it, you know, in a very American accent. <laughs> and that's today's topic. We're talking about Japanese beer. So, Paul, you said you've had American and Japanese beer. How would you describe the differences between the two? I'd say the first thing that comes into my mind is that at least the Japanese beers I've had are less diverse than American beers. When I think American beer, like nothing really comes to my head. There's so many different beers. I'm like, if you, I guess if we're talking about the most popular, like Bud Light or whatever, is happens to be the most popular you could think of, but that's not really what I drink. Yeah, I actually just read today that uh, light lagers are the most popular style of beer in America. Yes. And yes. that's also true in Japan. Mm -hmm. But in the last couple of decades, craft beer has become a real big thing in the U.S. and much less so in Japan, although it's making some gains there too. So I guess if I, maybe I should back up for a second and define beer. Sure. In the simplest possible definition, beer is a fermented drink made from grain. There we go. Pretty simple. And beer is the most popular alcoholic beverage in Japan. You might think, oh, sake. Sake is what they drink in Japan, right? No, beer. More popular. Yeah, that's a surprising fact. It is. And beer is drank all over the place in many situations. People drink it at home, at izakaya, at bars, and restaurants. And there's actually a whole culture built around drinking in Japan. Like it's, a, it's a big thing, but we're not going to talk so much about drinking culture in this episode because we already did an episode about that, episode 17. So if you want to hear all about when and where and why people drink and get an overview of the different types of alcohol that are popular in Japan, 
episode 17 is where you're going to find that. But today, we're just focusing on beer, the drink itself. We also did specific episodes about whiskey, which is episode 78, and sake, which is episode 91. So go check those out if you want to hear more about those. Another interesting thing about Japanese beer is that almost all of Japanese beer that's consumed is made by four or five companies, depending on if you count Orion as one of the big guys or not. You know, Paul, the world of beer is vast Mm -hmm. and very confusing. Have you ever looked into like the different types of beer, the ways that they're categorized? I mean, a little bit, but immediately it's just like, okay, that's too much. Yeah, it's just crazy. I actually had a friend in college who was like, he was a beer otaku, you could say. Okay. He was really into like the science behind the beer and all that. So every time we hung out, he would have like a new beer to have everybody try it. And he would like tell us everything he knew about it. Like, here's how they make it. And here's why it's different than all these other beers. And here's why it falls into this category and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. He introduced me to some good stuff. Yeah. And he would ask like, hey, what's your favorite beer? And then he'd tell him and he's like, okay, let me recommend a bunch of other beers like in that same category that you could try, you know? Nice. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I like the category thing. You know, there's like certain types of beer I tend to like. And I'll probably like, if it's a Hefeweizen, I'm probably going to like it, you know? Sure. Then I might have some preferences over others. If it's a real dark beer, I'm probably not going to like it. Hmm. I'll drink any beer. I'm not too picky, but I do enjoy trying new things. I'm always up for a new beer. Okay, okay. I'm I'm always down for a classic that I know I'm going to love. Mm. Not afraid to try something new, but you'll you'll never swing and miss when you know what you're getting. Yeah. Well, for our listeners, just so you know, if you're going to Japan and you want to drink some beer, you're most likely going to be drinking those light lagers. We said that, right? Usually around 5% alcohol is what you're going to see. And I mean, they're really similar to each other. Like when you go to the kombini and you're looking at that fridge full of beer and you pick out like five of them to try, they're going to be very similar. Yeah. Right. If you gave me a blind beer, I don't know if I could tell you which Japanese brand it is, but I might be able to tell you it's a Japanese beer because it's got kind of a distinctive flavor. Yeah. You know, not to spoil too much. Is it spoiling it to say that we're going to be doing a tasting? No, I don't think that's a secret. All right. So we're going to taste three of the huge Japanese brands of beer today. And it occurred to me today, like, why didn't we just get a Bud Light or something to taste along with them to see just how similar they are, you know? Oh, interesting. Because that's, I mean, that's the same category for sure. Okay. But I'd be really curious to see if the American beers stand out somehow. Yeah, I would too, because if you'd asked me, I'd say, I don't really like Bud Light. Yeah. But if you asked me if I like Japanese beer, I'd say, yeah, I do. I, I actually quite like Japanese beer. Question is, is it just the label? Is it just your weebiness, Paul, that makes you like the Japanese beers? Maybe. That's that's right. Is it all in my head? I don't know. It's very possible. Although, you know, 5% versus, aren't a lot of American like light beers, like 3.8 or something? I don't know. I, I think that's the case. Well, before we wrap up the intro, Paul, you mentioned that there are four huge companies that dominate the Japanese beer world, right? Should yeah. we name them? Sure. Asahi, Kirin, Suntory, and Sapporo. There you go. 
And if you're an Okinawa, Orion. Yeah. <laughs> Although Orion's available in lots of places in Japan, I think. Now, Paul, the history of Japanese beer specifically is really long and complicated. I mean, beer itself goes way, way back. But even in Japan, there are so many companies that popped up and so many mergers and like complicated acquisitions and name changes and all this stuff. I don't think it makes sense to go into like every little thing that happened, right? Right. I ignored almost all that stuff. (laughs) Okay. So we're talking broad strokes here, but I still want to start at the beginning of the story with just a quick couple sentences about the beginning of beer, right? Beer was brewed as far back as 4,000 years ago in Egypt. Are you amazed? I, I mean, I knew that. But yes, that's amazing. Okay. I mean, if, if we were doing a different podcast, I could probably talk for 30 minutes about the theory that civilization evolved so that people had time to brew alcohol. I think we've alluded to that in past episodes, yeah. So that's pretty old, 4,000 years, but not as old as mead. Mead was the first fermented alcoholic beverage, right? 9,000 years ago or so? That's so long ago. I mean, we know almost nothing about 9,000 years ago. Yeah. Other than that, there was mead. And we know how to make mead. (laughs) That connects us to our our past. True, true. Although I got to say, I'm much more of a fan of beer than mead. You liked the mead that I made though, right? Uh, Yeah, it was great. You jerk. Shifty-eyed Paul over here. <laughs> that mead was amazing, all right? I mean, it wasn't bad. Anyway, mead is made from fermenting the sugars in honey, just for those of you out there that might not be aware. Anyway, so beer. Back to beer. Beer has been made from various grains throughout history and was very important in various ancient cultures, including Hebrew, Chinese, and Babylonian cultures. Wow. But beer, as we think of it today, is not native to Japan, of course. Right. They didn't brew beer thousands of years ago in Japan, anything like that. It's actually relatively new to Japan. Mm -hmm. So Japan's native alcoholic beverage was sake. And you could try to make the argument that sake is just rice beer. It's just beer made from polished rice. It's brewed and not distilled, right? Sure. A very similar process. A lot of alcohols are, and how it's decided this is one thing and that's another thing, I don't always know. Maybe just traditions sometimes. Well, in these days, laws a lot of the time, there are like strict laws about what type of drink can be labeled in a certain way. Yeah, stuff. true. But beer, beer, modern beer, first came to Japan along with Dutch traders in the 17th century. In Nagasaki, they had set up a beer hall for sailors, apparently. Sailors gonna drink. Yep. Paul, when did the first beer brewery open in Japan? The brewery that would eventually become Kirin began in Yokohama in 1869, originally called the Spring Valley Brewery. And it was set up by an American brewer, surprisingly. Can't say America's never done anything good. We brought beer to Japan. I somehow feel proud about my country. All right. Just knowing that small fact. Thank you, William Copeland. That was the guy. (laughs) So 1869. So we're 160 years later. And beer has become the number one drink in Japan. 
That was quick. Yeah. So that brewery eventually became the Kieran Brewery. And then the Sapporo brand, another one of those big four, was established in Hokkaido in 1876 by a Japanese man, Nakagawa Sebe, who had studied brewing in Germany. We learned in the whiskey episode, they sent a guy over to Scotland to learn how to make whiskey. And then they sent Nakagawa Sebe to Germany to learn how to make beer. That's how they got train technology and so many other things too. Really smart. So yeah, this was around the time when Japan was really opening up to the West for the first time. So they were trying to get all this information from all these different places. All these industries had developed while Japan was not really paying close attention. And so they also started actually importing a bunch of beer, as well as importing brewing techniques. I saw Bass Pale Ale and Bass Stout were specifically mentioned as major imports. Bass, Bass Ale, that sounds like an American beer. It does. I wonder if that's still around. Pretty sure it is. Sounds familiar, but I can't recall. It's got that kind of cursive logo. I'm seeing like a cream background with a red kind of bass. Yeah, I've definitely had one of those. Yeah. So importing a lot of beer, but in 1886, the amount of domestically produced beer in Japan exceeded the amount of imported beer for the first time. Pretty exciting. Milestone. So another major brand, Asahi, traces its founding back to the Osaka Beer Brewing Company, founded in 1889, and they launched the Asahi brand in 1892. Okay, so I got some stuff. I don't want to go into, you know, super, super details, but there was one big thing that happened that I want to mention. Okay. So this is like the beginning of the 1900s, right? There were three main beer companies at that time, Nippon Beer, Sapporo Beer, and Osaka Beer, which you just mentioned. But they saw the Russo-Japanese War a-coming, and they thought, well, things could get dicey here. Maybe it's best for the industry if we team up. Okay. So in 1906, those big three merged to form Dai Nippon Beer. And I also found another interesting little tidbit here. Do you remember at some point when we were recording some episode, I said something like, what is up with all these huge Japanese conglomerates that do everything? Like they're involved in so many industries like Yamaha and Mitsubishi and all that stuff, right? I do remember that. Well, it looks like the answer to that lies with the Meiji Restoration. Because when Japan opened up to the rest of the world and they're trying to compete internationally in all of these different fields, right? So the government actually tried to get different companies to integrate in a bunch of different industries to make sure they could be as competitive as possible on the world stage. Isn't that interesting? That is. You have all these competitive companies and the government's like, you know what? All of you get together do things the best you possibly can, and then we'll export it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, when it came to beer, they did that. And they also made a law that breweries had to produce a certain amount of beer every year. So that basically made it impossible to start like a tiny beer company. They all just got consolidated. Yeah. So actually the Minister of Agriculture and Commerce, a guy by the name of Keigo Kiyora, actually had a really big role in making this merger happen between those big three beer companies. And then Dainipon Beer, the resulting big company, became the biggest beer company in the Eastern world. Okay. Pretty cool, huh? I believe it. Yeah. 
Uh, so beer became more and more popular in Japan through the next couple decades. And then after World War II, that Dainippon Beer Company split again into Asahi Breweries and Nippon Breweries. And Nippon Breweries was eventually absorbed by Sapporo Breweries. So we've talked about three of the f- big four so far, right? The only one we haven't talked about is Suntory. And why is that, Paul? Because they hadn't started brewing beer yet. Yeah, we talked in the whiskey episode, 76. Suntory had really been focusing their energy on whiskey and also wine. So they didn't actually start selling beer until 1967. I saw somewhere saying it was 1963 that they started. I saw a whole lot of conflicting dates in my research. Like back when you said, let's see, the first brewery in Japan became the Kirin Brewery. I saw one place that said, oh, it was in 1885. And one said, oh, 1888. And then one was like, oh, 1907. Yeah. But I think it gets really confusing with all these name changes and acquisitions and stuff. It's like, is this company really the same as this company? And did it officially do this on this year if yeah. you know it wasn't quite whatever? And who recorded this stuff? Where are these dates coming from? Yeah. Like, is there some legal document saying this company was founded this date? But who knows, it could have changed or whatever. Even if you go to the official website of some of these big beer companies, you'll get like slightly different timelines. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like so much of that story, just the history of the beer industry is, it's almost become like a mythology, you know? People want to lay claim to certain firsts and records. Yeah, and You know, people form these stories around these big characters and make them larger than life. But It was post-World War II when beer really started taking off in popularity in Japan. That gets us to where we are today with the being the number one most popular alcoholic beverage. Another thing that happened more recently was that in 1994, the Japanese government relaxed the laws on breweries. You mentioned before, Jason, it was super hard to get a small brewery because they only gave you a license. Oh, you want to brew beer? Yeah, here's a license for 500,000 liters of beer to brew this year. And that would be really expensive. You would actually have to brew that amount of beer to make that worthwhile. And small breweries couldn't do that. So those laws got relaxed in 1994. And that's when you started seeing little microbreweries start propping up, especially in major cities in Japan. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting to see how much these specific laws shaped the entire industry. Like the reason that Japanese beer is the way that it is, is because of all these weird laws, not just the one about how, you know, how much beer you had to produce, but we're going to get into some other weird tax stuff that totally like almost created new sections of the industry. There are drinks that probably wouldn't exist without these laws. Yeah. So we'll get into that a little later because we need to learn about how this stuff is made first, right? So how is beer made, Jason? Well, I'll tell you. It's pretty much the first half of making whiskey. The end. Moving on. (laughs) So we already talked about it in the whiskey episode, right? There we go. There we go. Okay, I'll spend a little more time on it. So first you want a starch source usually in the form of malted grains. Now, what is malt? Uh, I believe grains that have been dried, often smoked. 
There's a little more to it. Okay. So I found this really useful sentence somewhere. Malt is any type of grain that has gone through the malting process. There we go. Wow. (laughs) Very informative, right? Yeah. Okay, so the malting process. This is where grains, specifically the seeds, you know, that's kind of the valuable part of the grain, right? Yeah. The seeds are soaked and germinated. They're basically allowed to start sprouting. So there's a lot of chemical stuff that goes on inside a seed at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned that they're heated and dried. The purpose of that is to stop that sprouting process. You don't want to let the grain consume all of that good stuff in the seed. You don't want it just growing into a new plant. So heat and dry the stuff, and then you could also further roast it to bring out additional flavors. So there's a lot of flavor making that's happening at this point. But the biggest purpose of malting is to get the nutrients and the sugars out of the grain. And again, that helps with flavor, but also those sugars are super important because that's what gets turned into alcohol. Mm -hmm. So once you have those malted grains, you're going to mix those with hot water to produce a sugary liquid called a wort. Delicious wort. (laughs) And then you separate that wort from the solids and you boil it to evaporate some of the water. And then this is also the stage where you might want to add some hops for flavor. Probably heard of hops. Yeah. And then after you boil it, you cool down that wort and you add some yeast. The yeast is what's going to eat the sugar and turn it into alcohol. It also produces carbon dioxide. And that's why beer's bubbly? Sort of. A little bit. Because, <laughs> yes, the yeast is producing all of this carbon dioxide, but... Most of it's actually released during fermentation. The beer's pretty flat once fermentation is complete. So they actually add carbonation manually a lot of the time, or they could transfer the beer to another container before fermentation is complete and seal it up more tightly so that the carbonation naturally builds up in there as it ferments, you know, the last bits of sugar. Yeah. Sometimes that step could even happen in the bottle if they bottle it before the fermentation stops. But I think that's not common at all. Okay. Okay, so then you have beer, right? And this is basically the same type of thing that they called distiller's beer when we were talking about whiskey, because then you would take that and distill it to get, you know, all that alcohol, make it much stronger. Yeah, get to whatever alcohol level you want. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, did a brew-your-own-beer thing. With like my dad and my brothers a few years back. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. I wasn't there the day they bottled it, but the CO2 must have been off or something because there was like way too much CO2 in there. Like it wasn't really? even right. The bottles were like popping open. And oh. like even if you hadn't moved it at all, if you like opened it, they just sprayed everywhere. <laughs> like, and it didn't taste right. Like the whole thing was just not right. I feel like I've heard of that happening, like bottles exploding when people homebrew. Yeah, I I don't think one of mine exploded, but I think in like my brother's or my dad's closet or something, one of them just blew up. Oh, man. Just sitting there. Yeah. You know, it wasn't shaking. There wasn't even light on it. Yeah. I think maybe one of the flavors we did actually turned out right, and the other one was just, it was just wrong. Hmm. Just too bad. We had fun making it, but, you know, cost a few bucks. We were hoping to get a few beers out of it at least. Yeah. Okay, a couple quick stories. One, when I was in college, there was this guy that I was like in some classes with, but I didn't know super well. 
but we lived in the same apartment building. He was like a floor above me or something. One day I'm walking home and he like sees me in the stairwell and he's like, oh, hey man, I just brewed a bunch of beer. Here, have one. He just handed me a bottle of homebrew beer and I was like, holy crap, that's so nice. Like, I feel honored to get to drink something that takes, I mean, it takes a while and a lot of effort to make that, right? Yeah. Just to, to hand one to me was like, wow, that's awesome. That is cool. Yeah. Although it did get me thinking, maybe I'm wrong, but like, what would you do today if one of your neighbors you'd like never met before just stopped you in the hallway and was like, hey, I brewed a beer. I knew this guy. It's not like it was totally random. Okay, okay. If a random neighbor now said that to me, I'd probably be like, no, thanks. Why, why are you talking to me? <laughs> yeah, just the unusualness of that situation would give me pause, you know? Yeah. Like, hold on. Okay, but you knew the guy, you just were like close friends. Yeah. Okay. I knew him well enough to, you know, think that he probably wasn't trying to poison me or whatever. <laughs> what was the other story? Oh, on my last trip, when I was in Miyajima, I stopped at this little restaurant owned by an old couple. And the woman, well, they were both super friendly, but this one woman was like talking to me and talking to this other American guy that happened to be there. And he was like talking to her about homebrewing beer. And like they were having this whole conversation. And I had been talking to her a little earlier. So she like would look over at me and be like, you do that too? You, you, you brew beer at home? Like, is this an American thing? <laughs> like, no, no. Mead, I made mead, but not beer. <laughs> I don't know. Just a little mental connection. Okay. Is it like kind of trendy and cool to brew your own beer at home? Is that, is that? Yeah, I think that's been a trend in the last 20 but years. It, <laughs> I don't know. Is like moonshine still not cool though? Why wouldn't moonshine be cool? I don't know. People still distill, people still distill <laughs> alcohol at home, right? Yeah. But have you known anyone that's ever like made actual like alcohol at home? No. Yeah, probably not. It's probably more of a regional thing. I think like Kentucky, Louisiana. <laughs> right, right. There's like certain stereotypes <clears throat> attached to like moonshine in our country. You know, in Red Dead Redemption 2, I had to go down there and deal with some moonshiners. Or you go deal with them. <laughs> well. Did you, did you murder them all? No comment. <laughs> We're talking about a video game, by the way, everybody. Yeah, yep. perfectly legal. Legal murder. Man, that stuff is flammable. Anyway, so we said that most beer in Japan is a lager, right? Yeah. So I wanted to say a little bit about what that means. What is a lager? So without getting too technical, there are two main categories of beers. You got lagers and you got ales. Yeah. So lagers are made with bottom fermenting yeasts. They use less malt and less hops. And they're fermented at cooler temperatures. So all of these factors make lagers less bitter, lower alcohol, and generally less flavorful beer that's also lighter in color. That's a lager. That's my preferred. I've always liked lagers. I think it's the bitterness thing. You know, I don't like coffee. I don't like, I don't like bitter yeah. things. That's why I don't like dark beers, I think. Can you believe that, everybody? Paul doesn't like coffee. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I never made that connection, but I guess that makes a lot of sense. I personally love coffee, and I, in my adult years at least, I find myself liking bitter things more and more. Yeah, you're so, always like, hey, Paul, want to try this dark roast coffee brew? 
Uh, I know better than to give you something coffee-y. No, no, like beer. You had like these coffee beers or something. Oh. Like a year ago that you were trying to get everybody no, to try. And I was just like, Those were ah. hot chocolate beers, Paul. Oh. And they oh, were freaking amazing. And oh, I've been looking bad. for them this year and I can't find them anywhere. If anybody out there is looking for a really amazing beer that's based on Mexican hot chocolate, it's from Stone Brewery. It's called Hocoveza, X-O-C-O-V-E-Z-A. Normally, it's an annual thing around winter, but I haven't been able to find it this year. Even on their website, I I don't know if they stopped doing it or what, but that stuff is incredible. Okay. Like top three beers of my life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone's been doing these extra pale ales or extra, extra pale ales, and I just can't do any of that. Like, it's just too much for me. You know, I never took the time to figure out what category of beer was my favorite or whatever. But at least as for the two biggest categories, the lagers versus ales, I think I prefer ales. Yeah, I believe it based on what I've seen you drink. Yeah. I could do like a nice red ale, but that's like as far as I can go. Those are pretty sweet, right? Yeah, like it's still a little bit bitter, but like the sweetness and not being as bitter makes it kind of work for me. Sure. Okay, so now we know how beer is made. We know what malt is. And that was what I wanted to get to before we start talking about this weird taxation stuff, because it's all around malt. Yes. The Japanese government taxes beer based upon malt content. What a weird thing to tax. So if you're going to have beer in Japan, you're legally required to have 50% or more malt in it. And then it's a beer, and then it gets taxed at the highest rate. Right. There are three categories. Beer is the most expensive because it's the most highly taxed. Yes. But if you have less than 50% malt, it's going to be a haposhu, which is literally translated as sparkling alcohol. Yeah. I mean, you could think of it as a low malt beer, but it actually can't be marketed as beer. There's just not enough malt. Yeah. So it's cheaper than beer though, because it gets taxed less. And that's I think the whole reason that it exists as a drink. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, it's going to have a similar flavor and alcohol content to beer, but with less malt, that means less flavor. Like, it's kind of a a cheaper, crappier version of beer, right? That's (laughs) That's how I think of it anyway. That's how I think of it too, but since we were talking just now about the lager versus the pale ale and stuff, you know, maybe there's someone where I'm like, ah, you know... Pale ales are too much for me. Maybe there's someone where like, ah, beers are a little too much for me and they actually like it more because it's less. Yeah, I did see that like for young people and women, I think these other sort of beer categories can be more popular. I mean, if people just don't want to taste beer, it's like, oh, let me get this thing that's a little less beery. That's true. I don't know about you, but beer was a little bit of an acquired taste for me. Like right when I started drinking, I wasn't like, oh yeah, I like beer. Totally. But now I do. Isn't that funny? Everybody just decided, you know what? I'm going to start liking beer, you know? (laughs) I mean, there are people that decide not to do that, but just thinking back over human history, it's like, did anybody ever try beer? It's like, this is freaking delicious. Probably someone, but yeah. That is funny to think so many people drink beer and none of us started drinking it because it tastes good. (laughs) I mean, I wonder if historically it's just, People like the effect of it, and they associate the flavor with the effects they get. 
And then yeah. eventually their brain is just like, oh yeah, give me that flavor. I think your palates can get used to flavors a little bit too. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely true. But, but yeah, that's a very interesting thing. Yeah. The psychology of taste. <laughs> anyway, so we covered beer and hop boshu. There's a third category that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> or cheaper, anyway, because it's taxed even less. And this is a category called new genre beer or third category or daisan no biru quasi beer it's similar to beer but it's not beer so this is the newest category and it has no malt at all so they don't need to worry about those malt taxes it's going to be super cheap it can cost as little as half of the price of beer wow yeah so instead of malt, they substitute in pea, soy, or wheat spirits. That's interesting. Yeah. Have you ever had any of these? I doubt it. I feel like in Japan, like when I'm buying beer, I usually look for the brands I'm familiar with. Same here. I feel like I've always had just a Kirin or, or Sapporo or something. But I guess it's, I mean, this stuff is also made by those beer companies, right? True, true. They just label it differently. So maybe I'm looking for the labels I'm familiar with. And kind of ignoring the stuff that falls into these categories, I think. Because like they're labeled differently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I go for, you know, there'll be a lot of different Sapporo options. But I kind of know what the one I always drink looks like. And I grab that one. Yeah. So yeah, what happened over time when they started making these you know, cheaper, lower malt beers, as people started buying more and more of the low or no malt stuff, because everybody wants to save money, right? It's the tragedy of the commons, right? When Walmart rolls in and they start selling everything real cheap, everybody's like, oh yeah, give me the cheap stuff, even though it's lower quality and you know yeah. it's going to fall apart. Same thing with this beer. Everybody's like, give me the cheapest stuff I can get. I just want to get drunk. Yeah, I mean, I remember when we started drinking in college. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I 100% would have bought the cheap stuff. Absolutely. If it was half the price of beer right. all day. Yeah, but this is kind of weird, right? That the entire beer industry would go through such a huge change just because of this weird tax system and that they're trying to avoid using malts. It's a very odd and unique thing probably to Japan. Yeah, and like, does it make sense for the government to push the whole Japanese beer market more and more into bad beer <laughs> with less or no malt? Like, is that good for consumers? Is it good for the industry? Is it good for anything? Right. I, I doubt it was exactly the intent. Right. You know, I don't think they were trying to drive people to drinking less malt content stuff. They were just trying to write a tax code that made sense or right. people complained about less or something. I tried to look it up and find like why exactly they taxed malt at the very beginning, you know, yeah. and I couldn't really find any specifics. But the politics can get so convoluted on that yeah. stuff. Like, did it have to do with malt farmers? Did it have to do with where they were importing it from or something? Was there a budget deficit and they just needed to come up with money somehow, somewhere yeah, and decided like, to throw it on beer? Like, it, it, who knows, right? Yeah. Someone, but not easy to find. Yeah. So yeah, it really doesn't seem good for the industry, right? Especially if they're trying to export beer to the rest of the world. How are they going to advertise to the world saying, hey, look at our beer. It's got less flavor and it's kind of like worse than everything, but it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they're not exporting that stuff. Yeah. Well, so the government eventually decided 
they didn't want to have that kind of impact on the market. So recently, they started moving towards a system where all three categories are going to be taxed at the same level. So they're going to get rid of this whole weird thing that has messed up the beer market. But it's happening in a series of steps. They're going to get them closer and closer together every couple of years. And then in 2026, the three categories will be taxed at the exact same level. What's going to happen then, Paul? That's what I'm really interested to find out. We got to remember to swing back and see if we can get some numbers in like 2027. Like what happens to the sales of new genre beer? What happens to the sales of the Hoposhu? Like, yeah. uh, I feel like it's still going to stay around because it was around long enough for a certain set of people to get to like it. But I feel like it's going to have to shrink, right? You would think so. There's got to be some people buying it just for the price. And if they're going to be able to get the beer they like for the same price, I, I think they're going to switch, right? You would think. You can never predict that stuff, though. Maybe it, maybe it had a reputation of, oh, I don't want the cheap stuff. Maybe once it costs the same amount, people will be like, oh, maybe this stuff's actually good. It's hard to predict human psychology sometimes. Definitely. Macroeconomics like that, trying to figure out the behaviors of people. People yeah. are crazy. You can't predict what people are going to do. Some movie star in Japan will just be like, I can't get enough new genre beer, and all of a sudden <laughs> it'll become the most popular thing. From what I saw, it seems like the expectation is generally that the two lower malt categories will eventually disappear. Okay. Because, I mean, the main reason they had for existing was the price, and then the the price will be equalized, and it won't matter anymore, is the idea. Yeah. I think it is clever that they're they're phasing it in, having to make all those breweries like completely restructure what they brew immediately would be very difficult for them, I think. So mm-hmm. they're giving them a chance to scale down and then scale back up with uh, what's going to be popular afterwards. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. So I opened this episode with super dry, right? Yep. Should we talk about the dry wars briefly here? I don't know how much you had on this because this got super convoluted too. I skipped over it. Tell me about the dry wars, Paul. So I was kind of interested in this when I saw it because I always saw the Asahi super dry, right? And I was always like, what the heck does that mean? Like, why is it in English? What does it mean? It's a liquid. How can it be super dry? I, I heard. How can it be wet and dry at the same time? Yeah. Like, I asked Japanese people about this. They didn't really know. I asked friends I had about this, and they were like, oh, it's got a dry finish to it. I'm like, what does that mean? It's liquid. So, I guess my impression of that word dry when you're speaking about a beverage is that dry is the opposite of sweet, right? Just means like less sugar, less sweetness in it. Yeah. See, I never would have thought that, but you're right. Okay. That is what it means. I guess, I, mean, your, I guess your brain works better than mine. No, Jason. I heard that at some point and I internalized that ah, so okay, that when okay. somebody asks me, hey, what does this, what does dry mean? I can sound also, like can I start ordering smart. like tequila dry or not tequila, like a margarita dry. Does that work? Does that make sense? Uh, I don't I think mean, so because a margarita has a lot of sugar in it. Yeah, but people order like skinny margaritas. So you're like, still going to have the sugar from the lime juice and stuff. But you can like not add simple syrup or whatever. So it's just, that's a tequila and lime. It's a skinny margarita. 
<laughs> you can call it whatever you want. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. It's not a cocktail if it doesn't have at least three ingredients. Okay. No, that, that doesn't work. That's not true. Because the screwdriver yeah. only has two. Yeah. All right. Never mind. And the ones that's just a big strength then? I don't know. Okay. I don't. Does a screwdriver count as a cocktail? I'm not sure. Who knows? I, feel I don't like care. you need three. I don't care. Anyway. If they make it for me at a bar, it's a cocktail. Sure. Yeah, so in dry beer, the sugars are fully fermented into alcohol, leading to a lower carbohydrate content. That's the entire idea behind dry beer. Now I know. Okay. I finally know. So when you're making a dry beer, all the sugar is fermented, so you're going to let that yeast eat all of it, and then it's done, and it sits around like, man, I'm still hungry, but there's nothing to eat. And then you just let the yeast starve to death, right? Uh, I don't know. And if you're not making it dry, there's still sugar left, and the yeast wants to eat it, but you're like, no, you're too greedy, a little yeast, and I'm going to kill you. So it's either you murder all of them, or you let them all starve to death. Okay, okay. Right? Yeah. That's the difference between a dry and a sweet right. beer. So the, the yeast has eaten everything and starved itself to death. And you got yourself a dry beer. Poor little guys. So even though it's lower carbohydrate, it doesn't necessarily mean less calories because it could be higher alcohol content. Mm. So it could, it could go either way that way. Sure. So yeah, 1987, Asahi launched Asahi Super Dry, which started becoming really popular. And all the other beer companies in Japan tried to dive in on that trend, but they could never really capture the momentum that Asahi had. Before that, the Kirin company had a 50% share on the Japanese beer market, and they've never reattained that since Asahi launched Super Dry. Wow. So it was, uh, it was a major shakeup for the Japanese beer industry. And you can still find other Super Dries today, but Asahi's going to be the one that probably everybody thinks of. And you're going to see it available as a selection all over the place. Oh, yeah. So, Paul, recently in episode 106, we talked about how the four seasons are very important to Japan, right? Yep. So, of course, Japanese breweries have to make seasonal beers. They're going to change the design of the beer cans. I saw some that had, like, maple leaves on them for fall. Uh, they might change up the alcohol content. People want more alcohol in the colder months, right? Keep them warm. Yep. And they might even add seasonal ingredients. Paul... I saw a spring beer that has wasabi and green tea in it. That might actually be good. I really want to try it. Yeah, me too. So yeah, there's seasonal beer. And then we already, did we kind of mention craft beer? What's going on with craft beer in Japan? Yeah, I mentioned in the history section that in 1994, they changed the laws so that microbreweries could actually exist in Japan and that the seed's taken off a little bit since then, but it's still not super popular yet yeah there are now hundreds of microbreweries in japan making and selling all sorts of beer in japan and abroad but it's still a tiny segment of the industry yeah there's some pretty vibrant scenes in osaka and tokyo some of the big cities and you can get craft beer at konbini's which i thought was cool I remember there being a ton of selections last time we were there, like buying alcohol. Like there's a lot there, but you know, I didn't know what most of it was. Yeah. 
So that's cool. We will have to keep an eye out for that. Absolutely. Next time we're in Japan. I also saw what I thought was really interesting is that onsen towns are starting to pop up with microbreweries because of the pure water that they have there. Yeah, they're always talking about how great their water is. It makes sense that they would. So if you're ever in a little onsen town, look for a microbrewery. Mm -hmm. A couple other quick notes about other types of beer. So all four of the big breweries in Japan also make non-alcoholic beer and a range of low-calorie beers, if that interests you. And, you know, we, we started talking a little bit about home brewing. Is that a thing in Japan? No. Yes. Maybe. Tell me, Jason. Technically, it's illegal to brew anything with more than 1% alcohol without a license in Japan. You said technically, so is it stopping people? It's not really enforced okay. for home brewers. Okay. You know, maybe there are, I don't know. If you're not selling it anywhere, who's going to mess with you, right? Right. So yeah, you can still actually buy home brewing supplies and stuff in Japan if you want to do that, and no one's going to mind. Oh, okay. Probably. Unless you start like trying to make a business out of your basement or something. Well, most people don't have basements in Japan, do they? I don't think so. I don't think so. Out of your kitchen. Let's say you start brewing a bunch of beer, trying to sell it out of your kitchen. They might have a problem with that. Okay. <laughs> now I'm imagining like a, a bootlegger just selling to his neighbors like, oh, the new batch of uh, sour ale came in. It's 10 bucks a bottle. <laughs> And then he opens his trench coat and he's got a bunch of bottles. <laughs> All right, Paul, let's get to it. The good stuff. The best part of the episode. Oh, we're going to taste some beers now? You know it. All right. And Paul, I've been thinking about this a bit. Okay. Because I want to do a double blind taste test. Okay. So I have a plan for how that's going to work. Okay. So I have six glasses on the counter over there. Yep. Three for each of us, because we have three beers to taste. So there are two glasses that say number one, two glasses that say number two, two glasses that say number three. You are going to pour the beers into each set of glasses, and you're going to know which beer goes with which number, okay? Okay. And then you're going to go into a different room, and I'm going to pick up those glasses, not knowing which beer is which number, just knowing which number is on each glass, right? I'm going to arrange those in a certain order that you will not know about, but I will know which number is where. And then I will pull off the number labels. Are you following me? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just that, sitting here thinking, and you'll be like, all right, this is number two. Paul, what was number two? And I'd be like, oh, wait. Um, uh. That's why we have <laughs> pens and paper, and we both write down stuff so we don't forget. So, you're, so we're both, essentially, we, we each have half of the key. Paul is going to know which beer is which number, and I'm going to know which glass is which number. Okay, okay, fair enough. So we then we're going to taste them all, and we're going to put our halves of the key together to figure out which beer is which. Okay. Okay. So what are our three beers that we're tasting? We have Kirin Ichiban. We have Sapporo Premium Beer. And the third one is? Asahi Super Dry. All right. Well, should we go pour these into glasses? Yep. All right, so we got all the beers poured out in front of us. We sure do. I love that we're doing this blind because I don't know about you, but I feel like I have a favorite out of these three. 
And I'm, I'm really curious if I'm just full of shit. Dude. Or I actually like do have preferences. <laughs> I'm very excited to find out without the labels tainting our, you know, mental yeah. image of each brand or whatever. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait to see which one I like better. Um, so one thing I want to point out is that these are the versions of these beers available in the United States. So these were not brewed in Japan. True. Generally, when you get like Japanese beers in America... It's brewed in America or Canada or somewhere nearby. They're not shipping it from Japan. Yes. I saw on the Sapporo bottle it said brewed in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Yeah. Which is actually not that far from here. Right. And Paul, why are we having these specific three? The Sapporo, Kirin, and Asahi. Because they are literally the only ones we could find in our area. Yeah. I'd seen, there's a craft brewery called Hitachi No Nest, and I'd seen them here before, but now they're not available anywhere, apparently. Maybe that's one that was actually imported, and it's like the COVID stuff that made it mm, hard to find now. Maybe. Just a guess. I but mean, then, we, we went to the biggest liquor store in town. Yeah. And the, this is all we came home with. Right. And that fourth big brand, Centauri, I think I saw that they don't even sell any beer in America. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought I saw that somewhere. I don't recall ever seeing one here. And I was going to call them out for that. Like, hey, you're one of the big boys, Suntory. Like, g- give me a beer here in America. Yeah. Well, you know, they came to the party late making beer in the first place. So maybe they need yeah. a few more decades. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, 2063, they'll launch a North American beer. Yeah. Well, shall we? Yeah. All right. Let's pick up the first one. I want to say, these are in clear glasses, and fortunately, the color is similar enough that they're indistinguishable without, like, close inspection. Right, Paul? We still don't know which one of these is which, right? No, they're all, like, almost exactly the same color. They're gold like honey, kind of. And they're all, I think, about the same alcohol content. There shouldn't be anything that, like, totally gives it away. Yeah. All right. First beer, down the hatch, Kampai. Kampai. A very familiar flavor. <laughs> Tastes like a light lager. Yep, definitely does. I seem to remember one of these having like kind of a another little thing to it. I don't know. I know one of them is the super dry too, and I'm like, am I going to be able to taste dry beer? I want to say this is Sapporo, but I could totally be wrong. Okay, okay. Are, are we guessing now, or are we wait? I, I was going to wait maybe till I tasted some Okay, more. I take that back. I'm probably wrong anyway. I probably can't tell the difference between any of these. That's just where my mind goes, because it feels familiar, and I have had more Sapporo than any of the other ones. But okay, so there's one. Next beer. Looks very similar. Uh, it looks completely the same to me. <laughs> looks the same. Can't tell the difference. Kanpai. Kampai. Has a little different flavor. Yeah. This one hits me as a little, there's almost like slightly more bitterness, slightly drier, I'm thinking. After tasting this one, it makes me more sure that the first one was Sapporo. Yeah. Because I, I, I thought Sapporo too, but I was like, maybe I'm just thinking that. But after tasting this, like, I don't think this is Sapporo. And the other one made me think it. So we'll try the third one, but so far I'm leaning at least first one Sapporo. I don't know if I'm 100% on this one yet. I want to taste the other one before I make my final guesses here. This one definitely is more bitter to me. Agreed. The other one's sweeter. Agreed. 
has more of a lingering aftertaste than the other one too. I feel like that bitterness sits on your tongue for a while. Yeah, the other one, it like finished quick. The first yeah, one, yeah. the first one. All right, last one. Kampai? Kampai. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. I think, I think, Kieran, this is Ichiban. How embarrassing is this going to be? You're <laughs> totally wrong. I mean, I'm like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really confident yeah. right now, but I could be just totally wrong. I feel the same. I think, I mean, I agree with you on which one is probably which. This just tastes like exactly standard Japanese beer. To me, Sapporo's always tasted a little bit different, and I liked it because it was just slightly different, and I liked it a little more, and some of the other beers have tasted very similar. I almost get, I don't know. I'm not good at describing beers. Again, it's sweeter. Like, I, I don't think this is the dry. I'm getting a little tiny bit of, like, almost fruity character in this one. I can see that. But like I said, I know I've said before, like, my palate isn't, you know, super well-developed, I don't think. It's hard to describe this, and it's hard to pick out specific flavors, but I am actually surprised at how different these three are from each other. Yeah, I expected they're... them to be more like impossible to differentiate. Same here. They're definitely the same same style or similar style, but they're not the same. I feel like this the first one that I that I think is Sapporo, I feel like it had like one extra flavor that this last one doesn't have. I'm not sure. Let me go back to it. You're right. I mean, they all just have slightly different flavors. Yeah. It's hard to say, like, which elements are there and which aren't. True. But the Sapporo, true. I think, well, not, I'm referring to it as Sapporo already. <laughs> I know, but I mean, we're, the and we're just wrong. One, and we're just, the oh, first man. one felt familiar to me. Yeah. Like, it just yeah. felt the most familiar, hit in my tongue, and I've drank the most Sapporo. Yeah. Same. And the most recently. Like, I've drinking a bit of Kirin, but, like, not for a while. I almost. These days, I almost always go for a Sapporo if I'm drinking Japanese beer, yeah, and it's available. I well, uh, final answers, Jason. Sure, let's find out which is which. Okay, so you're locking it in, same as me. Sapporo we number did one, Sapporo, and then Asahi, and then Kieran. Okay, all right, let's pull out the keys. All right. So, so the first one we drank. What what number was that, Jason? That was beer number one. Sapporo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was the second one we drank? Second one we drank was number two. Asahi Super Dry. No way. <laughs> we got it. We nailed Third it. Third one was Kieran. We nailed it. I'm shocked and proud of us. Well done. Yeah, I guess I am a little proud. I was expecting to be embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, me too. I did not think that would But I tasted that, that first one and I was like, Sapporo. Yeah. I didn't think you... I thought I'd be very unsure. You know what we... Uh, we shouldn't have said like, oh, I think this is this one. I think this is this one. We should have said which one we enjoyed more. True, you know? true. Yeah, well, maybe that's why I could tell. I enjoyed number one more. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> and I feel like I enjoyed the super dry the least. Although it certainly wasn't I could bad. I see that because the dryness, yeah, yeah it's a yeah. little bit bitter. Than like having more just bitter. that little bit of sweetness is kind of nice. Beer is not a sweet drink, but yeah. a little bit. I never realized that before. That beer had a sweetness to it oh, totally. because the bitterness and stuff overpowers it for me. And I'm used to drinking like sodas and soft drinks like that are way more sugary than a beer is. Yeah. That's interesting. I just changed the way I think about beer a little bit tonight. Hmm. So you still like Sapporo better, right? Yep. yep. That's the number one. It's the number one. How would I, you rank them? What did you think of the other two? Uh, I like Kieran the second most. Kieran Ichiban. 
Although, so I'm I'm ranking the Asahi Super Dry last, but I feel like it could go right in the right moment. Like if you were if you were like eating greasy food or something, there might be things that it goes with better than the sweeter beers. Totally. There's a time and a place for the super dry. Yeah. Do you feel like if somebody gave you one of these three in a bottle where the label had fallen off, would you be able to tell which was which without tasting, like without comparing it, you know, directly to the other ones like we just did? Um, after what we just did, I'm a Safio for pre-coffee. <laughs> if I know it's one of the three, if it's any beer in the world, well, sure. you know, it gets a little tougher. Right. Yeah. I'm going to say I'm confident now. All right. Especially after doing this, I'm gonna I'm gonna taste for sweetness, and I feel like the Sapporo I'm just gonna recognize because it's one of my favorites. Hmm. It maybe helped that I've had Sapporo so much more recently than these other two. Yeah, I don't know. I think Sapporo is probably the most widely available of the three, which probably has a lot to do with the reason that I've had it more than the others. Okay, you see Kieran around sometimes too, I guess. But yeah, do you have a favorite of the three before this and today? Well, before I would have said Sapporo just because it's what I've had the most, but I've never like sat down and really compared them. Okay. It tastes familiar. And I feel like that's for a lot of people what they're looking for in a beer. You know, it's like, oh, drinking this beer reminds me of a lot of other great times I've had drinking beers with my friends or whatever, you know? Absolutely. So that's why I think like this double blind taste test was interesting to try to divorce it from that like your preconceived notions of what this beer is but even just the flavor itself is kind of a giveaway of like it connects in your brain to all these other times you've had that beer you know and it makes you feel a certain way yeah yeah but i don't know i definitely see what you're saying about the asahi being like a good pairing for foods that maybe are already kind of sweet and you want something drier to contrast with it yeah Totally or makes I, sense. Maybe even really salty food. I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I would still say Sapporo is my favorite. So what about number two then? Let me try these again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the dry, Jason? I like the dry. We've just been talking about us tasting beer for like 20 minutes now. I hope everybody's thoroughly thirsty. Or even better yet, you're relaxing at home on the weekend. And you have a beer in your hand. I think we're definitely going to need people to uh, give us their recommendation. Like, what is your favorite beer, everybody? Yeah, tell us. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to have a post on Instagram about beer, Jason. I forgot to take pictures of our bottles before we opened them. Oh, you can take pictures of the open bottles yeah. in, in progress. And I know we got at least uh, one or two pictures of us. Uh, I think there's a good picture of me holding a beer and... Uh, uh, Kawagoe. In Kawagoe, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that little uh, local beer we got there. Yeah, I can post some beer pictures, sure. So you can comment there, or you could uh, leave a comment on this episode on our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. Yeah. So what do you say, Jason, number two? I'm going to say number two is Asahi because, of, because I feel like there's a greater contrast between Sapporo and Asahi. You know what I mean? I feel like Kieran's kind of somewhere in the middle. Between them? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. So I like, you know, if I was going to go away from Sapporo, I would rather just go to the opposite, you know, go as far away as possible. Okay, Kieran's too close. Like, you already like Sapporo. 
Kieran taste very similar, you'd rather just go farther away. Something, something I feel like new. the Kieran tastes a little closer to Asahi than it does the Sapporo, but... Okay. But yeah, I don't know. If I want super dry, I guess I'm going to go for Asahi super dry. So you'd have a reason to go for the Asahi, but you wouldn't really have a reason to go for the Kieran. Yeah, although, man, that like fruitiness is really intriguing. Like This almost reminds me of certain scotches. There's a certain flavor in there. It's good. It's definitely good. I like beer. It's bag. really interesting. <laughs> or wine. It almost like the fruitiness in wine. There's a little slight hint of it. Yeah. No, I'm I'm feeling it. Tiny little hint of fruitiness in the Kieran. I don't know. I like them all. I would drink any of them. Yeah. I will again drink all of these. Yes. And when we're in Japan, we're gonna try the Japanese versions and see if we judge them any differently. Okay. We should see if we can find some craft brews to try as well. We definitely will. Should we announce what's been happening, Paul? <laughs> you mean us planning a trip to Japan? Yeah. Yeah, why not? All right. Know. We should talk about it. Announcement. We're, We're going to Japan. It's happening. I already bought a plane ticket. <laughs> it's happening. Well, I, okay. All I can confirm with 100% certainty <clears throat> or close to 100% is that I'm going to Japan. Paul has not bought a ticket yet. Paul will very shortly buy a ticket. We're going to Japan. Yeah. Late March. We're going to see the cherry blossoms. Late March, early April. Yeah, we're going to start in the south in Kyushu, and then we're going to take the train north as the cherry blossoms bloom, and we're hoping to see them in each city that we stop in. Oh, man. It's pretty exciting. Oh, man. It's going to be so cool. Yeah. So we're going to give more details as it comes up. You know, we're going to go over our planning process and we're going to give recaps once we return and uh you know we've had some people ask about maybe meeting up grabbing a beer or something in tokyo or wherever so i don't know we're going to talk about we're going to be planning some sort of meetup thing a day or two and we're going to be in osaka for a couple days so there's a couple good chances maybe yeah so if you want to hang out with us in person there will be opportunities yeah i'm so stoked but we'll talk about that more later. We got to get on with we got to get on with the beer tonight. Yes. So when we're going to be in Japan, where are we going to get our beer, Jason? Well, I'm going to go to the Kombini closest to the hotel <laughs> and get a whole big bag of beers. Uh, that'll work. That'll work. Uh, also, any izakaya, obviously, you're going to be able to get beers, draft, or sometimes bottle as well. There are, of course, breweries around the country that offer tours. If you're in Tokyo, you could take a train over to Yokohama and visit the Kirin Beer Factory. They have free tours and free tastings at the end of the tour. We should probably do that, I feel like. (laughs) Would be fun. I mean, we're going to have a lot of stuff to pack in. There's not time to do everything, but... True, true. Uh, You could also visit the Museum of Ebisu Beer, which is at the Ebisu Garden Place Tower in the Ebisu District of Tokyo, which, by the way, was named after the beer. (laughs) That's cool. If you're in Osaka, you can visit the Asahi Beer Museum, which also has free tours. Or if you're in Sapporo, you can visit the Sapporo Beer Museum, which also has free tours and a beer garden. And let me say it. That museum is in this beautiful red brick building from the 1800s. I've been there. It's a very pretty place. They got like the vines crawling up the sides of it and everything. It looks just awesome. 
It was originally built as a factory for the Sapporo Sugar Company, actually. Oh. Uh, and it was converted to a brewery in 1903. And now it's that Sapporo Beer Museum. Nice. Uh, so I actually technically haven't been into the museum part of that building, but the other part of the building has the Sapporo Beer Garden. You said that, right? Yeah. Which is awesome. Highly recommend visiting the Sapporo Beer Garden. You can get all-you-can-eat Genghis Khan, which is a dish that's essentially uh, mutton and cabbage that you like grill at your table. Very popular in Japan. And it's super good. And it goes great with beer. And you can like order all of their beers there. I think they had like a special one too that they only served there or something. Oh, wow. I forget. There was like a special one with a star on it that was extra expensive. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really cool experience. Really cool atmosphere in there. Like really high ceiling. And you got like all the machinery, like the beer brewing stuff around you, kind of. Nice. Pretty cool. Nice. Did you visit Orion Happy Park when you were in Okinawa? Where is that? Uh, Nago City. Mm, not sure where that is, but I, I didn't really leave Naha. Okay, okay. But I did drink some Orion beer. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I still got the Orion coasters you gave me. Oh, yeah. Uh, beer festivals are becoming more common in Japan. Um, there's a couple companies that seem to like put them on in major cities around Japan. Uh, but one that I saw that was pretty cool was uh, in Nagano, there's a Snow Monkey Beer Live, which mixes like a music festival with a celebration of beer. Snow Monkey Beer Live. Yeah. It sounds like you get to watch them like give beer to monkeys or something. <laughs> that I would, I would watch that. That sounds pretty I, fun. I think live in Japan means like concert. Sure. So yeah, uh, craft beer and music. Sounds great. Totally. You know, another option I saw is that you could book a beer tour with a local guide. That could be cool because they can take it to local bars that you might not find on your own. Yeah. Like they'll know which ones have the cool atmosphere and the good beer, you know? Yeah, that'd be awesome. We try some craft stuff. And actually, if you're looking for craft beer, I mentioned Hitachi No Nest, right? That was the one I'd seen here. Yeah. I also visited a place in Akihabara called the Hitachi no Brewing Lab, where I think they have tours or something uh, at, at certain times. But when I was there, it was just like the bar that was open. So you can try all of their different craft beers, which is cool. And it's a really nice atmosphere there because they have like the, this brewing lab is right on the edge of the Kanda River. And you can sit at these tables outside looking over the river and they got all these like Christmas lights and stuff. So at night it just looks really cool. Wow. It's just peaceful and lit up and a nice place to relax at the end of a long day and have a beer. I feel like I need that, man. I need to find a place like that. <laughs> yeah. So I just noticed you're wearing a third street brew house shirt. Oh. Is that just a coincidence or did you like, coordinate your outfit for beer episode that is very much a coincidence okay but this was a brewery actually that i took a tour of in minnesota really is that minneapolis you know it's funny how many comments i get on this shirt people keep asking me like where is the third street brewing company well it's got to be on third street right yeah 
but I can never remember where, like, what city it's in because it's like a small town kind of in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. So I just tell them, like, oh, it's on Third Street somewhere. I don't remember <laughs> the town. <laughs> Let me look it up. Probably almost every small town in Minnesota has a Third Street. Yeah. It's in Cold Spring, Minnesota. You familiar with that one? I don't even know where that is. Yeah. Where that was Yia's idea, actually. Where is that? It's, um, I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's like, it's northwest of the Twin Cities. Oh, you know what? It's right by St. Cloud. It's okay, like southwest, okay. a little okay. bit of St. Cloud. I'm sitting here like, where is it? Like, half the people at least listening to us probably don't even know where Minnesota is. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, if you're ever in Cold Spring, Minnesota, it's a pretty cool brewery. I, I got to get there someday. Got a lot of good info. You know, they hire like scientists, <laughs> like the people that work at a brewery, you might just think they hire anybody, you know, but it's like people that know all the chemical reactions and stuff that are going on in there. Yeah, that's like, cool. They're highly educated people running yeah, these breweries. Good at what they do. That's why yeah. the beer's so good. Yeah. I got a beer out of a vending machine in my hotel once in Japan. It's becoming less and less common, but there are still a few uh, beer vending machines out there. I've seen that. I saw that at a uh, capsule hotel that I stayed at. Yeah. I think you're more likely to see it at a hotel than like on the street these days. You know, that Kirin, I don't know. I really get a lot of like wine type flavors out of it somehow. Is it growing on you? Do you like that? Not really. I'm not really a big wine guy. I think I I still do just prefer the Sapporo, but... I'm intrigued at how different these other ones are. That's cool. I'm glad we did this. I feel bad now for always. I was always like, yeah, Japanese beer pretty much tastes the same. I regret those words now. Yeah. I take back what I said about Kieran being in between Asahi and Sapporo. It is its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't agree 100% on one, two, three. Yeah. Well, we definitely have different tastes in a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I got. That's all I got. Hope you enjoyed learning about Japanese beer. It's been fun for us. If you would like to learn more about other types of Japanese alcoholic beverages, check out our website, sightseeingjapanpodcast.com. If you go to the episode list page and type in sake or whiskey or alcohol, you'll find some stuff, some interesting stuff. And now we have beer. Yep. What's left? Umeshu, is that interesting enough for a whole episode? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. But maybe. <laughs> Every time we think something's maybe not that interesting, you know, you start looking into it and it's like, oh man, there's a whole big thing behind this. It's one of those things where like every time I get that, I'm like, oh yeah, I want, I want some. And then I like, oh, this is good. But by the time I'm like halfway through the bottle, I'm like, I'd probably would have been happier with beer. Problem with umeshu is it's incredibly sweet. Yeah, it's almost it like syrupy. You can only have like one at a time. It's kind of... I feel like you need to drink that in a highball. And you need to dilute it with something, you know? Like that and club soda? Sure. There's enough sweetness and flavor in there that it'll, you know... I should try that. That actually sounds kind of good. I thought that was one of the ways that it's commonly drank I think we talked about that in the alcohol episode. All right. Which I believe was 17. Well, let's save it for the Umeboshi episode then. Umeboshi? Umeshu? Umeshu. Maybe we just do a whole episode about Ume. Yeah, maybe we should. That's actually not not a bad idea. They got Umeboshi, Umeshu, 
and the Ume Blossoms. When's the last time we did a food episode? I don't know. It's been a minute. Well, there we go. All well, right. anyway, uh, now that we've rambled on and on and on, because we've got these beers in us. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about next time, Paul? Next episode is going to be about Japanese martial arts. Interesting. I've done my research for this one, and I learned a lot. I'll just say that. Like, I had a lot of preconceptions that turned out to be not really correct. Okay. You've, uh... You've seemed like disappointed in like our last few episode choices. Really, you think I didn't mean to? Yeah, I don't give think that you. Impression. I don't think. I don't think you meant to sound like that there. But I think just you now. Did. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, ba- you know, normally when you're like pause, we'll all just say like it means like I think I hate this thing. I can see how it would come across that way, but that pause actually meant. There are so many things I could say about this, but I want to save it for the actual episode. Okay, okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Testing, testing, testing. This is my voice. This is Low Energy Jason. <laughs> low Energy Paul reporting for duty. Doing our best to bring it. Tonight they're going to get the real me. The low energy, everything sucks. Life's not worth it. Good day, Paul, and good day, Jason. <laughs> right? Like good day, Tama? I don't know. I don't know that word. He's the egg on my hoodie. Oh, okay, okay. The lazy egg that doesn't want to do anything. Yeah. Just wants to lay there. That's how I feel most of the time. Yeah, you totally have a slow voice. I wonder, if have they made cartoons about him? I don't know enough about that character. There's I need this, to look into it. There, this is no way he'd be like, Konichiwa! No. Konichiwa. Konichiwa. I'm going back to bed. He'd be a, he'd sound like a stoner.